Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new Blonde Hair, Black Heart. This week's episode is a day late, and I'm very sorry about that. Actually, no, I'm not, because I bought a new house yesterday, and I was very busy, and I do my best. So, yeah. No, but for real, I'm super excited about this new house. So, my husband and I bought our first house in 2020, when the rates hit historic lows, and within a year, the value of that home just skyrocketed. So, we sold that house last year, and we bought another one, our current home, and we honestly had zero plans to move for a while, but we'd started talking about picking up an investment property, um, you know, maybe one that we could rent out, or Airbnb. So, for a few weeks, I was, you know, playing around on Zillow, as one does, and I just happened upon, like, my dream home. I just fell in love, you know? Um, I knew that this was the house for us. So I called and I set up a viewing for that same day and I went and saw it. And uh, immediately afterwards, I went over to my parents' house for a family barbecue and I proceeded to tell everyone in my family that I was buying a new house. (laughs) Meanwhile, my husband shows up after working all day knowing nothing about this. And (laughs) I mean, he's such an angel for putting up with me. But I basically was like, surprise, I want to buy a new house. So we went back the next day, and we saw it, and we put in an offer right then and there. And here we are a month later, and we have a new house. So there you go. (laughs) I guess that's how it's done. So with that said, this is actually going to be my last episode for a few weeks, just while I get us settled into the new house and, frankly, take a breath. Um, I love doing this podcast, but I haven't taken a single week off since the show started, so I'm giving myself a much-deserved break. But don't worry, I will still be online, obviously, posting on social media. Um, It's funny, people must assume that I have no life whatsoever, or like, no job, because I really do live on Twitter. But I do have a job, guys, you know, to quote Vicky Gumbelson, I work! But yeah, I will still be posting and engaging with y'all, so don't cry too much. Seriously, stop crying. The show will be back soon. Also, on that note, I just have to say, I had been planning to take this little hiatus for a bit, and I had scheduled a really special guest for my final episode before I take my break. Um, I was supposed to have the one and only Lala Kent from Vanderpump Rules on the show this week, but she had to cancel, or hopefully reschedule, so I went from planning on giving you Lala to giving you Nada. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty, shall we? So the new season of Big Brother started last week, and already the drama is way too much for your mama. (laughs) And the episodes themselves haven't shown much of it yet, but that's just kind of the way with Big Brother. So much happens off screen, and you learn more about the dynamics on the show from Twitter than you do from actually watching. Um, But apparently cast member Taylor is getting the shit end of the stick. And as one of the only people of color, and as the woman in the house with the darkest complexion, obviously this is striking a huge nerve with a lot of the viewers, myself included. So Taylor is a beautiful confident beauty queen. And you know what happens to confident women, especially confident women of color. They're judged very harshly. So she's been deemed the villain by all of the other women in the house, who ironically call themselves the girls' girls, but are being much more like the bitches' bitches. It's interesting. When I was watching the first episode, I actually said to my husband, um, when Taylor was standing outside of the BB house just before going in, uh, you know, like listening to Julie explain the rules and stuff, I said to my husband, I love the way that this girl holds herself. Just the way that she was standing, you could feel her confidence. She was owning her power, her self-worth. And when I say confidence, I mean confidence, not 
arrogance, you know? Um, and especially, like, her standing next to one of the other women who was hunched over, like, Gina Kirschenheider and was wearing this horrible hot pink blazer covered in feathers, which I have to assume she borrowed from Meredith Marks on Salt Lake City. She just had, like, the worst body language. So... I don't know, Taylor just has something about her, um, something special, and clearly it's something that intimidates the other girls on the show. Especially this one chick, Paloma, who seems to be leading the charge against Taylor. Jealous much? And she's making herself look kind of crazy. You know, she's definitely not doing what she thinks she's doing. So yeah, Taylor's having a rough time, and the fans are having a rough time watching it. But we're only two episodes in, and like I said when I was recapping Celebrity Big Brother earlier this year, the show moves a mile a minute. So I'm sure by next week there will be a lot of new things to discuss or complain about, but for now I will be manifesting a major turnaround for Taylor. Oh, quick side note, my husband Matt auditioned for this season of Big Brother, and he actually made it through several rounds of casting, so like, in another timeline we could be watching my husband ruin his reputation instead of Paloma? <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing he didn't get picked. So yesterday, the Bravoverse was hit with a major shocker. And when I say shocker, I mean shocker. Jen Shaw pled guilty to the charge of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. She agreed to forfeit $6.5 million and pay restitution up to $9.5 million. And she faces a sentence of up to 14 years in federal prison. Jen said in court that she knew it was wrong and that many people were harmed and that she's so sorry. She also admitted that she agreed with others to commit wire fraud and that she knew it misled her victims, many of whom were over the age of 55. She also added that there was misrepresentation of the product regarding the value of the service, noting that the services she was selling had little to no value. AKA, she's a dirty little scammer. When asked if she knew what she was doing was wrong and illegal, she replied, yes, your honor. This all comes as a major change to the tune that she was singing all last season on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, where she vehemently denied the charges and told Andy at the reunion that she was prepared to fight this to the end. It also must come as a major blow to her new ally, Meredith Marks, who literally posted, Jen is innocent until proven guilty, the day before Jen appeared in court. To be honest, this makes Meredith look stupider than all of those feather outfits we were talking about. Jen's attorney released a statement, which I will read now. Miss Shaw is a good woman who crossed a line. She accepts full responsibility for her actions and deeply apologizes to all who have been harmed. Miss Shaw is also sorry for disappointing her husband, children, family, friends, and supporters. Jen pled guilty because she wants to pay her debt to society and put this ordeal behind her and her family. Season three of the show is currently filming and all of this will play out on camera. So while Jen's future isn't looking so bright, at least ours is. Okay, so I've been saying this all season, but I cannot get into Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's just, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's always been one of my favorites and I'm just having a really, really hard time caring about any of the storylines right now. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I am a professional, so I did take a few notes on this week's episode, uh, so let's just get into it. 
Sheree is dealing with the aftermath of Tyrone standing her up, and she even says that she feels like the victims he stole from, because he stole from her emotionally. Isn't it weird, though, that she was okay with this guy knowing that he'd stolen money from people? But now she's like, well, he stole my time, so that's where I draw the line. <laughs> Marlo goes shopping for some custom furniture with Sheree and Sonia, and Sheree tells Marlo to expect to spend up to $40,000 on just her living room. And as someone who literally just bought a house, that terrifies me. Marlo tells the girls that she kicked out her nephews for 30 days because they weren't respecting her or pulling their weight. And she says that she had no one to rely on when she was a kid, so she doesn't want them to have to rely on anyone. I I don't know. It's really fucked up, honestly. These poor boys are foster children with, like, no real structure, and she kicks them out? And, and like, temporarily, too. Like, you're just jerking them around at, at this point. Um, you know, if they're acting up, ground them, like take away their cell phones or something, but you don't kick them out. What the fuck is that about? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's like when parents send their kids to summer camp to get a break or something. But to be honest, when I went to summer camp, it was traumatic. So again, this is fucked up, Marlo. Sheree has a pajama party where all of the ladies come for Drew and accuse her husband of having an alias, Danielle. Okay, this whole thing was weird. Like, are they implying that Ralph has another woman somewhere named Danielle? Or are they implying that he himself is pretending to be a woman named Danielle? I don't know. Anyways, then they cleanse Sheree's vagina with some incense. Gotta get the bad juju out of there. <laughs> and all the while, Kenya is wasted, giving Erica Jane vibes minus the harassment. Which, okay, I, I have to get into this. So, I posted online a week ago or so that Drunk Erica Jane was a vibe, which was in response to the previous episode where all we saw was her ordering skinny margs and dancing with herself all night. And honestly, compared to the Erica that we saw biting people's heads off all last season, I did enjoy it. I did. But of course, just days later, we all see what happened later that night with Erica and Garcelle's sons. And of course, my post is now getting all sorts of comments being like, wow, you think harassing kids is a vibe? Okay, look, I posted that before the additional footage was released. Obviously, I don't think that that's cool. But to be honest, it probably serves me right. First time I've ever said a kind word about Erica Jane, and look what happens. And with that said, let's talk about The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We pick up at Garcelle's birthday. Sutton has just called Diana soulless, which really is only something that Hayden Panettiere would know if it's true or not. <laughs> Sutton tries to connect with Diana by saying that she's also had two miscarriages, and Kyle basically accuses her of lying. She literally says, this feels like bullshit. Kyle's like, we don't know this, why are you bringing it up out of the blue? Diana thinks Sutton's being fake, and Sutton dissolves into tears again, um, and then she calls Diana a motherfucker. Kyle manhandles her, leaving bruises all over her body, and says to Sutton, Diana lost a baby. You didn't. Well, maybe years ago, but we don't know. What? <laughs> Sutton says Diana's looking at her like she's the devil, and Diana goes, are you? And Kyle doesn't blink an eye. Double standard much? Then Diana thinks that there's something off with Sutton based off of her understanding of human nature. I don't know, but I think that Diana's reference of human nature might be a little different than the rest of us. Sutton and Diana eventually apologize and hug, and Kyle rolls her eyes and acts disgusted as usual. It's not so much that she hates fake apologies, I just truly think Kyle hates seeing people make up. Period. I think she loves the drama. 
But Erica, on the other hand, isn't letting the drama phase her at all. She's on the manhunt. <laughs> so she asks Garcelle where her hot son Oliver is before proceeding to catcall him from across the room. Is it a dog call if it's a boy? I don't, I don't know. But she hits on him and asks if she can have a threesome with him and his baby mama, which is an interesting choice of words. You could have said wife. Um, but all in all, Erica succeeds at making everyone feel uncomfortable. Garcelle pulls him away like a good mama does, you know, keep your son from being sexually harassed. I mean, I, okay, I don't mean to make this into a bigger thing than it needs to be, but like, honestly, imagine if PK was saying these things to like Farah or Alexia or something, you know, just imagine. Also, I loved later on when Garcelle's hairstylist said that Kyle was mopping the floor with her vagina. Classic Kyle. Crystal and Garcelle's 14-year-old son, Jax, go to collect some flowers off of the table, and Erica tells him to get the fuck out of here. She says it multiple times, and you can see he's in shock. So Jax goes and tells Garcelle that he was violated for grabbing the flowers. Um, which, A of all, I totally agree, he was. But B of all, do we think the word violated is going to be scrutinized again? Hmm. Garcelle comes back and she calls Erica out quickly before exiting the party, and Erica whispers to Dorit, she was pushing me, um, about Garcelle, so did Erica purposely go after her son because she thought that G was coming for her? I don't know if you guys caught that, but I did. So the next day, or like two weeks later, who knows in the reality TV world, Sutton and Kyle meet up for dinner, and Kyle orders the pene a la norma, and Sutton orders noki. <laughs> Sutton basically says Kyle didn't need to come join the conversation. It was a private convo between she and Diana. Um, and Kyle says that when she sat down, they were talking about the miscarriage, and she really wants to apologize and make it clear that she doesn't think Sutton made up her miscarriages. And while saying this, she kind of pushes Sutton's shoulder, and Sutton says, don't push me. Kyle then says it was quote-unquote convenient timing that Sutton mentioned her miscarriage then, to which Sutton responds, I was trying to relate to her. Kyle quickly cuts her off and goes, I know, that's why I'm apologizing to you, and then says that Sutton is really hard to apologize to. Hmm. Or maybe you're just not good at apologizing. Like, don't apologize to someone if you aren't willing to let them tell you how they feel about it. If you don't intend to hear them out, then you can't really be that sorry, right? Like, it's more about just trying to move on and brush it all under the rug, which isn't a real apology. Sutton says she actually did apologize to Diana, and she even reenacts it with the chilled champagne bottle. And to be honest, Sutton's acting here is actually on par with Kyle's. And I don't know who that's an insult to, or a compliment to. Or is it neither? Both? I don't know. Also, did you guys see a week or two ago Sutton posted that she was on the set of the Chucky series filming for an episode? Sutton said Halloween what? Michael Myers who? So Sutton goes in for a hug, and Kyle goes, are you sure you're not going to say I'm punching you? Ugh, classic gaslighting. Kyle is such an abusive husband. You know, she's aggressively grabbing Sutton one night and then mocking her about it the next night. Or two weeks later. As we've established, reality TV timelines are confusing. Ugh, we got a quick, but not quick enough, Theodore Mellencamp appearance at Kyle's Thanksgiving dinner. Literally, bravo, stop trying to make Teddy happen. She's not going to happen. Then, Rinna makes an appearance for the first time in, like, an episode and a half, and honestly, I enjoyed the break. But she's back, and she's sitting down with Diana. 
Diana's explaining what happened, or her interpretation of what happened, with Sutton at Garcelle's dinner, and it's very different than what I saw. She says that she feels like Sutton was one-upping her with the miscarriages, but I didn't take it that way whatsoever. Dorit and Kyle plus their husbands sit down and have a good chuckle over Erica harassing not one, but two of Garcelle's kids, um, one sexually and one aggressively. Kyle laughs it off. Mauricio says he's glad that she told Garcelle's kid to fuck off. Dorit says that she can give Erica a major pass because it wasn't her kid. And PK says that she's entitled to have a blowout. They basically say they love seeing her so loose and free, regardless of whose kids are at stake. Of course, this made the more ruthless Bravo fans go on full attack mode, but they went after the kids. I saw a lot of people commenting to Dorit about her kids, and even worse, I saw people commenting on Portia Umansky's social media accounts. Really nasty and aggressive stuff. So, guys, I know we all have our opinions, but don't do that. Later, Sutton hosts her first luncheon at her new house, which I really dig. I like the style a lot. It's like classic but eclectic? Rinna arrives in these platform Versace pumps. Okay, these shoes were highly controversial. Her whole outfit was. And I will admit that the outfit overall was insane, not in a good way. It was a lot, uh, from the hair to the sunglasses to the top and the skirt, but I enjoyed the shoes. Now, Crystal, on the other hand, looks flawless in this scene, just in head-to-toe cream, just chef's kiss. I loved this look. So Garcelle and Cherie arrive, and Garcelle makes it a point to not have a drink before she talks to Erica, who strolls in after a little car karaoke Christmas style. Okay, so Sutton's lunch is on a bed of mud, which she blames on the weather, but like, why didn't she just move it inside? <laughs> the ladies all have to change into flip-flops, and honestly, this is why I just wear my Birkenstocks everywhere. Sutton reveals that she didn't know that Diana wasn't coming to the lunch, which Garcelle says is rude, Sutton says she doesn't like passive-aggressive behavior, which strikes a nerve in Rinna. Rinna says Sutton can't say that she isn't passive-aggressive because she called Diana a motherfucker and soulless. But to me, those sound like aggressive-aggressive things, not passive-aggressive. And that's where the episode ends, right in the middle of this heat-up between Sutton and Rinna, with not even as much as a to-be-continued. Which, to be honest, is pretty passive-aggressive of Bravo, if you ask me. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, I'll be back in a few weeks after a much-needed break, but in the meantime, go listen to some of my past episodes. I've interviewed a ton of really fun guests, and make sure to give me a nice five-star rating or review, because if you don't, I'll find you, and I'll kill you. Bye! <laughs>